Section 8 of The Family Kitchen Gardener. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Family Kitchen Gardener by Robert Bust. Section 8 Marjoram. Oreganum Marjordna. Marjolaine, French. Marjuren, German. Sweet marjoram is a native of the south of Europe. It has a pleasant odour and a warm, aromatic, bitterish taste. It is used for seasoning soups and other matters of cookery, and considered a wholesome ingredient and beneficial in nervous complaints. There are two varieties, the sweet and the pot marjoram. The former an annual, and the latter a herba plant, or a plant that lasts from year to year. Culture. Marjoram seed is of the very smallest description and has to be sown early in April. On ground finely prepared, make a mark along the line with a point of a stick, merely to show where the seed is to be dropped, which do very thinly and evenly. Then cover up with the back of the rake. The rows should be ten inches apart. As soon as the plants appear, thin them out to two inches apart. When the plant offers to bloom, cut the stems and dry them in the shade. When dry, tie them in paper bags, and hang them in a dry room for use. Let a few plants ripen for seed. Pot marjoram, or winter marjoram, is propagated by dividing the roots early in spring and planting in beds. Cut it when in full bloom, dry in the shade, wrap it up, and preserve it for winter use. Melon Cucumus mellow, melon, French, melinet, German. The melon, in some character, is to be found in all tropical countries, but the finest varieties are supposed to have come from Persia and Afghanistan. It has been cultivated in Europe nearly 400 years, and in the south of that continent, in its season, it constitutes the principal part of the food of the lower classes proving that it is both wholesome and nutritious. The flesh of a well-grown melon is delicious. It is eaten with ginger, pepper, sugar, salt, or as fancy and taste dictate. Its nature is cooling. There are many varieties in culture, which, with artificial aid, can be brought to perfection. But when left to unassisted nature and exposed to heavy rains and scorching suns, the number is very limited indeed. They are confined to the indifferent or improved culture and purity of three or four sorts. Musk melon, so called from its peculiar scent, is nearly round, colour a yellowish green, rind smooth, and the fruit very slightly ribbed. It used to be extensively cultivated for its productive qualities, but now gives way to better varieties. Early cantaloupe takes its name from a village near Rome where it has been grown for many centuries, and from thence distributed to this western world. There are many varieties that readily distinguish from the former by having small warts on the rind, the flesh greener and more firm, well flavoured. Netted citron is an olive fruit, roughly netted all over, of a pale yellowish green when ripe, grows to a good size, from two to five pounds, flesh green, firm, juicy and highly flavoured. This variety commands the highest price in Philadelphia market, 
and its quality depends on its genuine purity. Seeds should be two years old before sowing. Rock melon, fruit of an oval round shape, rind green, with large white warts or rocky appearances thereon, hence its name. Fresh solid, of a yellowish colour, rich and melting, in size equal to the former. Culture. The melon is cultivated in a similar manner to the cucumber. The soil and treatment that grows the one will grow the other, though the melon prefers a drier atmosphere and is more liable to die off after heavy rains than the former. To have it in perfection, it should not be grown in the vicinity of squashes, gourds, pumpkins, cucumbers, or any variety of the family, or it will invariably become impregnated with the inferior flavour of its cojourners. In a small garden, it is not possible to grow all these sorts without contamination. It is therefore better to plant all squashes and pumpkins in the field. A bed twenty-two feet square will grow sixteen hills, each six feet apart. Mark the spaces by the line each way, dig out the earth one foot deep and two foot wide, spreading it about. Then fill up the holes thus made with six inches higher than the surrounding ground, with rich light compost, very old rotten manure sand, and garden earth in equal parts will do. Into these conical heaps or hills about the first of May, sow eight or ten seeds, half an inch deep, and a few inches apart. As soon as the plants have made two rough leaves, thin them out, leaving four only to each hill. When each has made four or five rough leaves, pinch the point of each shoot to make the plants branch out and fruit earlier. That is what gardeners call topping, which strengthens the vines. Draw earth around their stems to support them from the wind. When they begin to run, they require no further assistance, except it may be to thin out the shoots where they become too crowded and confused. Hoe and stir up the soil, and keep clear of weeds. As no garden should have a foot square of lost ground, crop between these hills. Valentine, or snap-short beans, is very suitable. Three sorts sown now will be off the ground in June and July, before the melon vines occupy the whole. This plant, with the cucumber, is very subject to be attacked with a yellow-striped or black bug. We are not yet aware of an infallible remedy, but a dusting of soot or wood ash will retard their progress until the plants begin to grow freely. If they are thus attacked as soon as the vines show their rough leaves, it would be imprudent to top the plants as it stops their growth, and the insect would then entirely overcome them. Melons may be forced in the same way as directed for the cucumber, when it can be conveniently done, and to my taste it is a preferable plant. The finer sorts that will not bear the open exposure of rain or heat should be sown, such as the green-fleshed and rock-melon. Some of the latter and as fine as ever I saw, took the first premium at the New Jersey Horticultural Society at Princeton the past season. They were from the garden of A. H. Stevens, Esquire, of Hoboken, and did great credit to the grower. When grown under glass, the sash should have a very thin mat thrown over it, from eleven till two o'clock, and from the middle of April till the fruit is out. And although the leaves may droop, it is not always a sign that the plant is in want of moisture. 
It is not advisable to pour water around the neck of the plant, but a very common practice, and a very inconsistent one. The extremity of the roots and leaves are the absorbing organs of the plant. Supply the former by watering the soil, and the latter by frequently sprinkling with a syringe, or from the rose of a watering pot. The red spider is a pest to the melon. It is a very minute red insect, quick in its movements, generally on the underside of the leaf. When observed, lift up the vines and turn them over, exposing the under surfaces of the leaves. Then give them a syringing with soap suds. One or two such doses will destroy it, when pure water may be more frequently used, for it is too dry an atmosphere that generates this pest of the gardener. Within a few years past, Europe has resonated with the praise of very extraordinary melons from Persia and Kabul, so much so that we were induced to support two varieties to test their merits in this climate. One variety was very small, about half a pound weight, of a fine, smooth, round form, flesh quite yellow and highly flavoured, but too small for general culture. The other was opposite in every character being large, oval, with a rough white rind, flesh reddish-yellow, looked very tempting, tasted much like a pumpkin. Each seed costs sixpence sterling. Watermelon, Cucabita citrullus, Melando, French, Bassemillon, German. The watermelon is purely a tropical fruit, wisely adapted to the wants of the inhabitants of those countries who greatly appreciate it for its refreshing coolness and delicious flavour. It is a grateful beverage in warm weather. It is in no way nutritious, but its seeds are considered a valuable remedy in urinary complaints. There are several sorts cultivated extensively in New Jersey, even to thousands of acres, for the supply of the Philadelphia and New York markets. There's Long green, mountain sprout, Carolina, Spanish, and occasionally a white variety, all fine sorts, though we prefer the Spanish. It is round, very dark green, having a very thin rind, with a bright red flesh and black seeds. It does not grow so large as some others, but is more rich and sugary in flavour, and commands a better price. It was introduced to this country about 18 years ago. The seed of the first that I saw was brought from Portugal by a supercargo of one of the ships of the late Henry Pratt, Esquire of Lennon Hill, who freely distributed the seeds to his friends. Culture. They require a light, sandy soil, not over ridge. Plant them in hills as directed for melons, giving them more room as their vines extend much further. The seeds should be two years old before planting. If they are wanted of a large size, three or four fruit from each plant will be sufficient, and when one fruit only is taken, they will grow to from 20 to 30 pounds weight each. It will injure the flavour of the fruit if they are grown near to other varieties of the melon. Mint. Mentha verdis. Mint, French. Manger, German. There are several varieties of mint, but the one in consideration is commonly known as green mint or spearmint from its long pointed leaves. In its green state it is used in sauces, salads and frequently in soups. When dried and taken as tea it is very efficacious in stomach complaints, far surpassing any alcoholic preparation. 
Culture. It is a perennial plant, and propagated by parting the roots in spring. It will grow in any kind of soil where moisture abounds, and if in a sheltered spot, will come forward more early for use. If required to be cultivated extensively, draw drills two inches deep and one foot apart. Drop therein small pieces of the root six inches apart, cover them with the soil, and give the ground a good top dressing every year with manure or rich earth. A bed will keep bearing five or six years. When new plantations must be made, it is cut when the shoots are a few inches high. If the plants are wanted for drying, they must be allowed to grow till they are in full bloom, when they are to be cut, and the stalks laid out thinly to dry in a shed or airy outbuilding. When they are perfectly dry and have a brittle feeling, tie them up in a paper to keep till wanted. When green mint is very desirable, it can be taken up and planted in boxes and forced in a hotbed with very little trouble. In two weeks the plants will be fit to cut. Two years ago I was forcibly struck with the abuse of this very healthy herb. My physician prevailed upon me to pay a visit to one of the springs in the interior of this state to try the effect of its waters upon my system, then greatly reduced by accident. To me every table appears meagre, unless it has a very liberal supply of good wholesome vegetables. On this occasion the table of mine host appeared to have very homeopathic dishes of my favourites. When my strength began to recruit, I sallied forth to the garden to observe the cause, when, behold, it contained almost exclusively green mint. I could not conceive what extensive use they made of it, till on being more familiar with the establishment, I observed that it was carried in armsful, as for feeding cattle, to the bar-room, where it was liberally saturated with brandy, ice and sugar, to foster an appetite for the sons of Bacchus. May that Boniface live to learn that cabbage, beans and peas are better for health and happiness than mint juleps. Morel, Escalentus Champignon, French, Espara, German. This vegetable is a native of this country and closely related to the mushrooms, from which it is distinguished by the cap being hollow within and adhering to the stem by its base, and latticed on the surface with irregular sinuations. The height is about four inches. It is in perfection and will be found from May till September in wet banks, in woods, and in moist pastures, and should not be gathered when wet with dew, or soon after rain. If gathered dry, they will keep several months. They are either used fresh or dried as an ingredient to heighten the flavour of gravies, ragouts, etc. Culture. We are not aware that this vegetable has been introduced into garden culture like the mushroom but there can be no doubt of the attempt being attended with success. The spawn should be collected in June and planted into dung beds, or ridges of soil differentially composed, in order by experiment, come to the best mode of cultivation. Those who have practised the growing of mushrooms will find no difficulty in cultivating the morel or mascul plant. Mushroom Agancus camprestus, champignon cultive, French, pivots, German. The mushroom has afforded a wide feed of speculation for botanists and naturalists, who had disputed of its perfect or imperfect character, the peculiar method of its propagation and growth, 
and its close assimilation in taste to animal matter. The growth and formation of this humble plant is the most remarkable in the vegetable kingdom. They are extensively used for making catsup, esteemed as a pickle, and when stewed with rich gravies, are considered by some very delicious. They are extensively cultivated in Europe, particularly in Britain, where they are grown all the year round. They have also drawn the attention of the more scientific gardeners in this vicinity within these few years past, and basketfuls have been brought before the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society in our winter and spring exhibitions. The genuine mushroom is found in autumn on rich old pastures. It has a small round brownish-white head of a delicate pink colour underneath. The stem is generally from two to three inches high. There are frequent accounts of deaths caused by this vegetable, attributable either to excess in eating it or to a want of care in selecting the pure article, which grows invariably in open fields. Such as overtopped by trees, or growing in the shade, must be avoided. Also those that grow rapidly, five or six inches high, bladder-like, or have a brighter red, fine-wrought network underneath, and of a disagreeable scent. Those possessing such characters are bad and even poisonous. Mushroom Spawn we copy from the transactions of the London Horticultural Society the following approved method of making mushroom spawn. In June or July, take any quantity of fresh horse droppings, the higher fed the better, mixed with short litter, one-third of cow's dung, and a good portion of mould of a loamy nature. Cement them well together and mash the whole into a compost. Spread it on the floor of an open shed, to remain till it becomes firm enough to be formed into squares of fat bricks, which done, set them on edge, and frequently turn them till half dry. Then with a dibble make two or three holes in each brick, and insert in each hole a piece of good old spawn, about the size of a walnut, or the spawn which consists of fine white threads, which may be found where the mushrooms are growing in pastures. The bricks should then be left till they are dry. This being completed, level the surface of a piece of ground under cover three foot wide and of sufficient length to receive the bricks, on which lay a bottom of dry horse dung six inches thick, then form a pile by placing the bricks in rows one upon another with the spawn side uppermost till the pile is three feet high. Next cover it with a small portion of warm horse dung sufficient in quantity to diffuse a gentle glow of heat throughout the whole. When the spawn has spread itself through every part of the brick, the process is ended, and the bricks may then be laid up in a dry place for use. Mushroom spawn, made according to this direction, will preserve its vegetative power many years, if well dried before it is laid up, but if moist it will grow and exhaust itself. Culture of late years, the cultivation of this luxury has become so simplified that it is in the power of every farmer and cottager to grow the article for use or sale. Any time in October or November, collect from the stable daily the fresh droppings, throw them into a heap, which prevent from heating violently by frequent turnings, and spreading it out thinly, defending it from rain or water of any kind. When the quantity of one, two or three loads, according to resources, has accumulated, and has lain in a heap two or three weeks, 
which time it will most likely require for all the parts to get an equal fermentation, as soon as it is observed that the fiery heat and rank steam of the dung are gone off, it is ready for use. Mushrooms can be grown in cellars, sheds, stables, or any other such building where they will be protected. Where it is intended to cultivate them permanently, a covered shed will be found the most convenient place from which to perform the necessary work. For this purpose, a dry situation should be chosen, the more sheltered the better, on which to build a shed of sufficient dimensions. A bed four foot wide and twelve foot long will give an ample supply for a moderate-sized family. The shed may, however, be erected ten feet wide and sixteen feet long, giving space for working materials and two beds if required. The shed should run from north to south, having a closed roof and weather-boarded. With the exception of four apertures as windows to be covered with shutters, the erection might be made ornamental by having a portion it for a tool-house. Having marked out the space for a bed, throw out the earth about six inches deep, laying it regularly at the side, and if good it will do for earthing the bed. In the trench lay four inches of good dung, not too short, for forming the bottom of the bed. Then lay on the prepared dung about six inches thick, regularly over the surface, beating it down firmly with the back of the fork. Put on another six inches, and so on till eighteen or twenty-four inches thick, in that state it may remain ten or fifteen days, during which time the heat should be examined about the middle of the bed by thrusting a small stick in several places, and when found to be of a very mild heap, the bed may be spawned. The spawn bricks for this purpose should be broken regularly into pieces about an inch and a half or two inches square. These pieces are best put in with the hand, raising the dung up a few inches with the one, while with the other the spawn can be laid in and covered. This ought to be done in every six inches of the surface of the bed. If the sides of the bed are made of sloping form, they can also be spawned. After spawning, level the surface with the back of the spade, beating it gently, after which it may be earthed. Procure that of a sandy, loamy nature, if from a pasture, so much the better. Break it up and make it fine, laying it on two inches thick. Level it very neatly with the rake, and beat it closely and evenly. When the hole is finished, the bed must be covered a foot thick with good clean straw or natural hay, over which lay mats or canvas in severe weather. Examine the bed every few days, and if the heat increases, diminish the covering of straw which is better than to take it off altogether. In about five weeks, if the beds be under proper cultivation, mushrooms will make their appearance, and in two days more they will have grown to a sufficient size for use. Some people cut them, but it is decidedly better to give them a gentle twist in the ground and draw them out, filling up the cavity with a little fine mould gently pressed in level with the bed. This method of gathering is much better than cutting, as the part left generally rots and breeds insects, particularly the wood louse, which is very destructive to mushroom beds. Sometimes it happens that a bed suddenly ceases to be productive. This may arise from various causes, but most frequently from the cold state of the bed in winter, 
or a dryness of soil. In the former case, an additional covering should be given. In the latter, water in a milk-warm or tepid state should be applied moderately for two or three mornings in succession. After each watering, leave the covering off for about an hour. Soft water should be used for the purpose. In summer the beds will require watering every two days, though in winter they may not need it in as many months. A good bed will be productive for three months, though it may occasionally wear out in half the time. From these observations an ingenuous mind can make a mushroom bed in a multitude of situations, all obtainable where there are cellars, stables or other buildings. We would not despair even in the open air during winter, covered with plenty of litter, under a few boards to ward off cold rains. In spring and summer any quantity may be grown in this way. It will be observed in the cultivation of every other vegetable we either sow or plant some evident material of reproduction, but in the cultivation of mushrooms we neither sow or plant any antecedent production of seed, plant or root, yet it is certain that the mushrooms are reproduced by a process in which the dung of certain animals forms the chief instrument, and in the goodness and strength of that ingredient, in whatever way it is made, chiefly depends the crop. We are aware that this vegetable appears in certain situations without any apparent cause, though we feel satisfied that there are inert ingredients that only require a combination of influences to produce certain results, and these results in nature are unerring. The young horticulturist should never desist from making moderate and well-considered experiments. Let him never suppose that perfection has already been obtained. Acumen and perseverance should be preeminently conspicuous in the gardener, who has many vicissitudes by weather, insects and accents to encounter, and should be prepared with resources to resist them all. Mustard. Cinepus alba and nigra. Moutard, French, surf, German. Mustard seed was first obtained from Egypt, and has been known and cultivated for many hundreds of years. It is extensively used both in its natural state and manufactured, and is considered a wholesome condiment in whatever way it is taken or prepared. It assists digestion, warms the stomach, and promotes appetite. In the spring, in its green state, when mixed with salads, it is very refreshing, and ought to be extensively cultivated for that purpose. In Europe it is vastly appreciated, but with us little attention is given to the subject. There are two varieties. The white is generally used for garden purposes, and the seed used medicinally. We can speak practically of its beneficial effects in constipation of the bowels. One or two tablespoons a day, sipped from half a tumble of water and swallowed whole, is a great relief in dyspeptic cases, and many have been completely cured by its constant use. The London or Durham table mustard is made from this species. Black mustard is of the same flavour and considered of equal efficacy with the white. From the flour of this variety the American mustard is made. Culture This salad is cultivated in the same manner as recommended for cress, at all times of the year sowing every week or two, either in beds or drills, 
or for early use in hot beds or boxes in the windows of a warm room. The seed should be covered very slightly and frequently watered, as moisture is indispensable to its growth. It should always be cut when about an inch high, using a sharp knife and cutting close to the ground, holding the tops in one hand while the knife is used with the other. They should be carefully washed from earth or sand, allowing them to be as short time in the water as possible. Neither should they be gathered long before using, for their flavour would be thereby impaired. As much of this seed is generally required, a portion should be sown very early to produce it. A bed three feet wide and twenty feet long, having the plants four or six inches apart, will produce a sufficiency of seed for every domestic purpose. End of section nine.